you have your iPad, your iPhone, your Bible, if you don't have any of that, I want to give you a verse of Scripture. It's on the screen. Uh, what I'm going to talk to you about today, I'll say this, I am uh, 53. I've been preaching since I was 17. And if I could go back and do that portion of my ministry over, I would have talked more about what I'm going to talk to you about today. If I could go back and do it over. You know, we live life by looking forward. You've got to live it by looking forward, but you understand it by looking back. We look back and we understand things better. Amen? I've often said education. What is education? Education is a progressive discovery of how ignorant we really are. Amen? Just a progressive discovery of how ignorant we really are, and that only means unlearned. But look what the Bible says in Ephesians 5 and 18. It says, And be not drunk with wine. Be not drunk with wine. Wherein is excess, but be ye filled with the Spirit. Be not drunk with wine, but be ye filled with the Spirit. I want to talk to you about flat footballs. Flat footballs. And you know, sometimes, folks, we don't have a flat football. Sometimes, just to be transparent, uh, we have a team that's flat. Amen? Uh, you know, sometimes you play a game and your team's just flat. Sometimes you have a flat year. Amen? Sometimes you have a flat decade. I mean, you're just flat. And uh, I heard about three old boys from the hills of Tennessee, and they were discussing Tennessee football. And uh, one boy said, uh, he said, you know what? Uh, he said, I blame our problem on the athletic director. He said, if the athletic director had hired a better coach, uh, we wouldn't be so flat. If the athletic director had hired a better coach, we wouldn't be so flat. And then the other boy spoke up, another boy spoke up. He said, no, no, I don't think it's the athletic director. He said, I blame the players. I blame the players. He said, if the players would play harder, it would be okay. The third old boy spoke up, and he said, you know, I blame our parents. He said, our parents, what's that got to do with Tennessee football? He said, well, if we had been born in Georgia, we'd be supporting a better team. <laughs> do you realize this, folks? Do you realize two hours and 15 minutes before a professional football game, each of those teams have to present 24 footballs to the officials. Two hours and 15 minutes before the game, they have to present 24 footballs to the officials. And what those officials do, they examine those footballs to make sure there's the proper amount of air. Those footballs are supposed to weigh between 14 and 15 ounces. And so they examine those footballs to make sure there's the right amount of air in them. Now, listen to me closely. The word spirit is mentioned 800 times in the Bible. Let me tell you something. When, you, when we speak of God, there's God the Father, there's God the Son, and there's God the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit is just as much God as God. And the Holy Spirit is just as much God as Jesus. Literally, God's in heaven, ladies and gentlemen. Jesus is on the right hand of God, but the Holy Spirit 
is who's here on earth with us. The Holy Spirit, the person of the Holy Spirit is who's here on earth. Now, when this Bible was written, it wasn't written in English. When this Bible was written, it was written in Hebrew and it was written in Greek. The Old Testament was written in Hebrew. And I'm just trying to simplify something. And the word for spirit in the Old Testament was this word right here. It's the word ruach. Ruach. It's an Hebrew word. What does that mean, Pastor Benny? It means a strong wind. But in the Greek, the word is fuma. And the word fuma for spirit means a current of air. A current of air. What I want you to understand, ladies and gentlemen, just as this ball needs to be filled with a proper amount of air, you and I need to be filled with the Holy Spirit. You and I need to be filled with the Holy Spirit because if we're not careful, we'll be trying to live life with a flat football. We'll be trying to, now this is what I know. This football right here, this football right here, if you fall asleep, I may throw you a pass. <laughs> if you fall asleep, I may throw you a pass. Scott Ard's been sitting over here on the front row sleeping. <laughs> Wake up. That football right there will go farther. It will go straighter. It will accomplish more than this flat football. And many of us are trying to live our lives, the Christian life, and we're a flat football. Now, let me tell you something. There are three groups of people here today. I knew who was going to be here before I got here. First of all, there's people here today that don't know the Lord. You don't know the Lord. You've never accepted Jesus Christ. Somebody said we're all God's children. No, 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 no. We're all God's creation. You don't become his child until you accept Jesus Christ. We're all God's creation. Now, there's another group of people here. You came to know the Lord, and the Holy Spirit came into your life. He comes into everybody's life when you come to know Jesus Christ. But here's what's happened. You basically live your life like he's not in your life. You do what you want to do. You plan what you want to plan. Basically, you live your life. You realize that, sure, Pastor, I accepted Christ. It happened when I was a 10-year-old girl. It happened when I was a 20-year-old man. But basically, I've accepted Christ, but I just do what I want to do. And then there's a third group. That's the group you accepted Christ, but you are guided by the Holy Spirit. You walk in the Spirit, and you've realized if you walk in the Spirit, you won't fulfill the lust of the flesh. Here's what I want you to get down real close. There's a difference between the receiving of the Holy Spirit and the filling of the Holy Spirit. The receiving of the Holy Spirit happens one time, but the filling of the Holy Spirit happens many times. 
The receiving of the Holy Spirit is a past event, but the receiving of the Holy Spirit is a present reality. The receiving of the Holy Spirit is for all believers. The filling of the Holy Spirit is for obedient believers. The receiving of the Holy Spirit is never commanded, but the filling of the Holy Spirit is commanded. The receiving of the Holy Spirit places you in the body of Christ. The filling of the Holy Spirit gives you the power to live for Christ. When you receive the Holy Spirit, he becomes a resident. But when you're filled with the Holy Spirit, he becomes president in your life. The receiving of the Holy Spirit happens at salvation, but the filling of the Holy Spirit happens at surrender. Always remember this. The receiving of the Holy Spirit is for pardon. <laughs> the receiving of the Holy Spirit is for pardon, but the filling of the Holy Spirit is for power. Now, there's, there's three things I want you to see right quickly. Number one, the reason for the Spirit-filled life. The reason why, Pastor Benny, should we be filled with the Holy Spirit. Let me give you three reasons. The first reason for being filled with the Holy Spirit is obedience. It's obedience. See, the Bible says in Ephesians 5 and 18, be not drunk with wine, but be ye filled with the Spirit. Now, we got to ask this question. Who did he say that to? Well, we go to Ephesians 1 and 1. Paul, an apostle, by the will of God, to the saints which are at Ephesus. Wait. He said to the church. He said to the Christians, you need to be filled with the Holy Spirit. For us to obey the Lord fully, ladies and gentlemen, it means being filled with the Holy Spirit. It's not a suggestion. It's a command. And it's given in the present tense. That means we need to continually be filled with the Holy Spirit. Now, I want to ask you something. How many of you think, how many of you think it's wrong to get drunk? Sure. Well, you know why I think it's wrong to get drunk? Is Ephesians 5 and 18. It says, be not drunk with wine, wherein is excess. Be not drunk with wine, wherein is excess. Now, certainly, it's, you know, you don't need to get drunk. The Bible says, be not drunk with wine. And, 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 and i got to be honest, folks. I'm, I'm not going to beat around the bushes. Uh, I don't think we need to be drunk with Budweiser either. Be not drunk. <laughs> be not drunk with wine. So, so you know, if, if you said, Pastor, you're exactly right. The Bible is pretty clear there. We shouldn't get drunk. But wait. Be not drunk with wine when it's excess, but be you filled with the Spirit. You know what God said? Just as it's wrong to be drunk with wine, it's also wrong to not be filled with the Spirit. Are we okay? I mean, it just, as it's, just as you shouldn't be drunk with wine, he said also. Now, think about this, folks. Look here. Let me tell you something. It'd be wrong for me to get up here today in this pulpit and slobber around and fall around. And you say, man, it's awesome. Pastor Benny's been in the sauce. But it's just as wrong for me to get up in this pulpit and not be filled with the Holy Spirit of God. See, there's nothing sadder. Listen, in America, there's nothing sadder than a full church of half full people. 
So why are we filled with the Holy Spirit? Because the Bible tells us to be obedient unto the Lord. We need to be filled with the Holy Spirit because of obedience. But let me tell you the second reason why we ought to be filled with the Holy Spirit. It's an obligation. It's, it, it's an obligation. See, it's vital to your life. It's vital to every aspect of your life. First of all, folks, it's vital to your worship life. It's vital to your worship life. You say, Pastor, what are you talking about? Well, look what Ephesians 5 and 19 says. It says, speaking to yourselves in psalms and hymns. What, what, what were the psalms? It was the psalms of David. They were actually songs. S-O-N-G-S. They were songs and hymns and spiritual songs. Singing and making melody into your, in your heart. Now, look, folks. That's the Psalms. We know what hymns are. But what was the spiritual songs that was mentioned there? It was the contemporary compositions of the day. Now, here's what I want you to understand. We're to sing the Psalms. We're to sing the hymns. We're to sing the spiritual songs. But Ephesians 5 and 18 says, Be not drunk with wine when it is excess, but be ye filled with the Spirit. What's it saying, folks? It's saying you're not going to get much out of worship if you don't bring your worship with you. Somebody said, Pastor Benny, let me tell you something. What kind of, what kind of music do you like? Well, folks, I'll be honest with you. I, I like to sing Amazing Grace. I, I mean, I like to sing Amazing Grace, but let me tell you something. I like to sing Take Me to the King. I, hey, listen, I like to sing If I Woulda, Coulda, Still, It Wouldn't Take Nothing from a Journey Now. Let me tell you something. I like to sing, oh, what a beautiful name. What I've learned, it really don't matter if I'm filled up with God's power and God's spirit. I just want to sing it all to him. Because what I've learned, I can't get much out of my worship life unless I'm filled with the Holy Spirit of God. I won't get much out of my worship life unless I'm filled with the Holy Spirit of God. I've got to bring my worship to church, and I've got to leave with my worship. I need the Holy Spirit. I need the Holy Spirit in my worship life. But let me tell you something else. Thank you. I'm going to leave that guy in my wheel. Listen, not only do I need the Holy Spirit in my worship life, but I need the Holy Spirit in my wedded life. I was researching this message, and I, I thought about Ephesians 5 and 22, and this is what it says. It says, uh, Wives, submit yourselves unto your own husbands as unto the Lord. And this is the conclusion I've reached, folks. Submission has nothing to do with inferiority. This is what I really believe. I thought about it. I believe that a woman is infinitely superior to a man at being a woman. <laughs> I believe a woman is infinitely superior to a man at being a woman. And I believe a man is infinitely superior to a woman at being a man. Wives, submit yourselves unto your own husbands as unto the Lord. You know, listen to this. A married man left work one Friday afternoon Instead of going home, he squandered the weekend and his paycheck, partying with the boys. Finally, finally he returned home. On Sunday night, he ran into his fierce wife 
after a couple of hours of nagging and berating, his wife asked, how would you like it if you didn't see me for a couple of days? That would suit me just fine, he said. Monday went by, and the man didn't see his wife. Tuesday and Wednesday came and went. The same result. Come Thursday, <laughs> the swelling went down a bit, and he could barely see her out of the corner of his left eye. <laughs> Friend, as I was studying this this week, wives, submit yourselves unto your own husbands as to the Lord. And then I jumped down to Ephesians 5 and 25. Husbands, love your wives as Christ also loved the church and gave himself for it. Let me tell you something. Get this, men. The example for the woman, the example for the woman, according to Ephesians 5, 23 and 24, is the church. The example for the woman is the church. But the example for the man is Jesus Christ. The example for the husband is Jesus Christ. And let me tell you something, ladies and gentlemen. We can't be what we ought to be in our wedded life without the Holy Spirit. You can't be the husband you need to be. You can't be the wife you need to be outside of the Holy Spirit of God. We need the Holy Spirit in our worship life. We need the Holy Spirit in our wedded life. But we need the Holy Spirit in our work life. We need the Holy Spirit in our work life. Look what Ephesians chapter 6, verse 5 and 6 says. Servants, be obedient to them that are your masters according to the flesh with fear and tremble, trembleness and singleness of your heart as unto Christ. Wait. If you're an employee, you're supposed to treat your employer like Christ. I, I want to ask you, folks. Do you all want me to preach the Bible or Shakespeare? Is that what it says? You're to treat your employer like Christ. You say, but Brother Benny, she's the devil in a skirt. It doesn't matter. That's what the Bible says. And look what it says in Ephesians 6 and 9. And you employers do the same thing unto them, forbearing, threatening, knowing that your master which is in heaven, neither is there respect to persons. Wait, wait. If you're an employer, God said, you better be careful how you treat them. You better be careful how you treat your employees because you've got a master in heaven. It's like the owner of a large company who walked in. He saw a guy leaned up on a pole, and he thought, that lazy bum. And he walked up to that guy, and he said, how much money do you make a week? He said, $400 a week. He pulled out his wallet, got $400 out, gave it to the guy, and said, you lazy bum, get out of here and don't come back. He looked over and saw his supervisor and said to his supervisor, how long's that lazy bum been working here? Supervisor said, he don't. He was just delivering pizzas. <laughs> in our worship life, we need God. We need the Holy Spirit in our wedded life, in our work life. But let me tell you something. 
in our war life. In our war life. Let me tell you something. You're in a spiritual battle right now. The devil is battling. You're in a spiritual battle right now. And Ephesians 6 and 12, look what it says. It says, for we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against power, against spiritual wicknesses in high places. We're in a battle. And unless there is within us that which is above us, we'll soon yield to that which is around us. We need the Holy Spirit because without the Holy Spirit, ladies and gentlemen, you can't get victory in life. There's a war going on, and you'll lose the battle without the Holy Spirit. You'll return to the things that you should not have been involved in without the Holy Spirit. Without the Holy Spirit, you'll find yourself returning to the things that you know are not best. I heard about a team that decided they would steal the other team's mascot. It was a goat. And they stole the other team's mascot. It was a goat. And one boy said, uh, where are we going to hide him? And his friend said, we'll hide him in the dorm. <laughs> the guy said, what about the smell? He said, the goat, I have to get used to it. <laughs> Let me tell you something. We will return to those things that stink in our life without the Holy Spirit. You will return to those dirty things without the Holy Spirit. Let me tell you something. The reason the worship life, the wedded life, the work life, but there's something else I want you to see. Not only obedience, not only obligation, but opportunities. Opportunities. Look what Ephesians 5, 16 and 17 says. It says, redeeming the time because the days are evil. Wherefore, ye be not unwise, but understanding what the will of the Lord is. Redeeming the time. How can we have the right time and how can we have the right opportunities? Ladies and gentlemen, it's being led by the Holy Spirit of God. I want you to see the requirements for the Spirit-filled life. I talked to you about the reasons for the Spirit-filled life, but I want to talk to you about the requirements Brother Benny, how can, how can I have the Spirit-filled life? How can, how can I be filled with the Holy Spirit? Number one, complete commitment. Complete commitment. 1 Corinthians 3 and 16 says, Know ye not that ye are the temple of God, and the Spirit of God dwelleth in you. In the Old Testament, God had a temple for his people. But in the New Testament, he has a people for his temple. Fully committed to God. The second step to being filled with the Holy Spirit is continual control. Continual control. Think about this. The Bible says, be not drunk with wine, but be ye filled with the Spirit. Why didn't he say this? Why didn't he say, don't commit adultery, but be ye filled with the Spirit? Why didn't he say, don't lie, but be filled with the Spirit? Why didn't he say, don't be a Georgia fan, but be filled with the Spirit? <laughs> Why did he say, be not drunk with wine, but be filled with the Spirit? Now, I'll tell you why I think. It's because of comparison. Get this down, folks. It's comparison. 
If a person is drunk, they're controlled by the alcohol. They're controlled by the alcohol. Remember on the day of Pentecost, they thought when they had received the Holy Spirit that they were drunk. Peter said, no, no, they're not drunk. But here's the second thing. If you're drinking, if you're drunk, you're controlled by the alcohol. And just as a drunk is controlled by alcohol, God wants us to be controlled by the Holy Spirit. But here's the thought. How do you stay drunk? Got to keep drinking. You got to keep drinking. Amen? I mean, you got you to keep drinking. You got to keep on drinking. You're staying in the sauce. Friend, let me tell you something. How do you stay filled with the Holy Spirit? You've got to keep drinking. You've got to keep drinking. Somebody said, Pastor Benny, I want more of God. I want more of God. How can I get more of God? You've got to give God more of you. You've got to give God more of you. You want more of God? You give God more of you? You just keep drinking. Think about John chapter 4. Let me tell you something. John chapter 4 verse 13 says, Whoso drank of, of this water shall thirst again. But whosoever drinketh of the water that I shall give him. Notice it says drinketh. It didn't say half drunk. You've got to keep drinking. You've got to keep drinking. I see the complete commitment. I see the continual control. The continual control. You've got to keep drinking. This morning, early this morning, I said while I was getting ready for church, God, I need a fresh feeling of your spirit. I need a fresh feeling of your spirit. You say, Pastor Benny, why, why do you do that? Because this is what I've learned. D.L. Moody used to pray that prayer. And they asked D.L. Moody, why do you keep praying, God, I need a fresh feeling? And D.L. Moody said these words, because I leak. Let me tell you, we're in this world, and you're going to leak. You're in this world with the world, flesh, and the devil, and you're going to leak. And you need a fresh feeling of God's presence in your life. I need a fresh feeling of God's presence in my life simply because I leak. I have thoughts that I shouldn't have. Last night, watching the Tennessee football game, I had thoughts I shouldn't have had. Pastor Benny, how, how can I be filled? Well, it's complete commitment. It's just, God, you've got all of me. It's continual control. And then it's conscience claiming. It's conscience claiming. And what I mean by conscience claiming, ladies and gentlemen, the Holy Spirit is in your life. The Holy Spirit is in your life. And if God be for us, who can be against us? Amen? I mean, the Holy Spirit is inside of you. Folks, he's not, let me tell you something. In the Old Testament, he came upon people for certain tasks. He would come upon a person for a certain task, and then he would leave that person after the task was over. That's not the case with us. He is inside of us. I've said many times, 
one day I'm going to get to heaven. One day I want to get there. And when I get there, I'm going to see all the patriarchs and matriarchs of old. And I'm going to see Noah. And I'm going to say, Noah, what was it like to be in that ark when it had never rained? And I'm going to see Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. And I'm going to say, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, what was it like to be in that fiery furnace and come out and not even smell like smoke? Well, you can't even go in the Waffle House and that happened. <laughs> and then I'm going to say to Daniel, Daniel, what was it like being in that lion's den? And I'm going to be there with those guys. Then I'm going to start to walk away. And one of those guys is going to say to me, Benny, Benny. I'm going to say, I didn't know he knew my name. And perhaps old Moses is going to say, Benny, what was it like? I said, what do you mean, Moses? What was it like? What was it like having the Holy Spirit of God inside you? What was it like every day? What was it like, Brother Benny, when you opened your Bible up and you couldn't understand the Bible and you said, Holy Spirit, reveal it to me? What was it like, Brother Benny, when you was down there and you didn't know which decision to make and you said, Holy Spirit, guide me and direct me? What was it like when the Holy Spirit helped you to be a better husband? What was it like when the Holy Spirit helped you to be a better father? What was it like when you stood up in that pulpit? You didn't know what to say to those people, but the Holy Spirit, Spirit came upon you and gave you just what they needed. What was it like? You know, I, you, know you know what I tell? Let me tell you something, folks. If I could preach different, you said, Brother Benny, if you could mold somebody, if you could be like somebody preaching, who would you like to? I'd like to be more like a Charles Stanley or a or David Jeremiah. I'd like to be more reserved. <laughs> I mean that with all my heart. I, and I'm not saying that in any wrong way. But folks, when I just get to thinking about how good the Lord's been to me, I just get excited. <laughs> now, now, I'm done, but Pastor Benny... What's the results of the Spirit-filled life? What's the results? I, and, and it's not my opinion, it's the Bible. The results are this. Number one, gladness. Number one, gladness. Look what verse 19 says. Speaking to yourselves in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs and making melody in your heart to the Lord. Let me, let me, let me, I don't, I'm going to say this. If you're always complaining, you're not spirit-filled. If you're always complaining, and there's some people complain if you hung them with a new rope. But listen. <laughs> listen, if you're always complaining, because out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaketh. No, no, no. You're, yeah, I'm not saying you're not a Christian, but I'm saying you're not spirit-filled if you're always complaining, if you're always negative, because a result of the spirit-filled life is you'll have gladness in your heart. You'll have gladness in your heart, and it will, be, it will exceed any circumstance. Miss Ann's sitting here on the front row. I stopped by Friday. I stopped by Friday to pick up my cleaning, I, and I said to Miss Ann, I said, Miss Ann, she had a big smile on her face. She said, Brother Benny, I need to ask you a question. I said, oh, sure, what's the question, Miss Ann? She said, now, next Sunday, you're going to baptize me. I said, yes, I am. She said, can I ask you a question? I said, sure, what's the question? She said, can I hold my nose? 
And Miss Ann had that big smile. I said, Miss Ann, it's hot here. What time did you get here this morning? She said, 6, 6.15. I said, what time you get off? She said, I get off at 6 o'clock. I said, so 12 hours cleaning people's clothes like mine? Yeah. She said, I'm so excited about Sunday. I'm so excited about Sunday. That's what the Lord does. See, the Lord gives you gladness. The Lord gives you joy. No, 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 no. No, if you would depress Norman Vincent Peale, you're not spirit-filled. If you're in my office every other week complaining about this and complaining about that, you're not spirit-filled. Let me, oh, I'm offended over this. I'm offended over that. Let me tell you something. You need to get the chip off your shoulder. It's just an indicator there's wood higher up. You're not spirit-filled. I'm going to tell you what. I may just get up and walk out. And everybody will know I'm plowing your corn when you do. Amen? I'm kidding. Not really. But anyway, <laughs> when you're spirit-filled, you've got gladness. Now, I know we all go through low times. We have difficulties. I'm not talking about that. But if you're constantly negative, it's an indicator that something's not right, ladies and gentlemen, because Jesus came that we might have life and life more abundantly. Amen? Sure he did. You can have joy despite the circumstances. Number two, if you're spirit-filled, you've not only got gladness, but you've got gratefulness. I'm done. I'm almost done. Look what it's gratefulness. Look what it says in verse 20. Giving thanks always for all things unto God and the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. You know what I believe, folks? I believe from the day of your birth to the ride in the hearse, things are never so bad that they couldn't be worse. There's always something to thank God for. Amen? You say, but Brother Benny, I'm, I'm 50 pounds overweight. That's okay. That's okay. It doesn't take as much water in the bathtub. Amen? Bam. <laughs> I'm telling you. There's something, there's always something to be grateful for. Amen? Amen? Something to be grateful for. Let me tell you something what I told the students over in South Carolina this week. I said, let me tell you something. It matters not. You're wonderfully and gloriously created by God. It matters not what your size is. It matters not what family you're from. It matters not what your education is. God made you a unique person, and you're beautiful in God's eyes. We just need to be grateful. Just be grateful. You said, Brother Benny, I don't know if I've even got the money. I can't even pay my bills. Well, thank God you're not one of your creditors. Amen? Just be grateful. <laughs> Always something to thank God for. Always something. I love to tell a story about the lady gets up and she's got three hairs on her head. Three hairs on her head. And she said, you know, I believe I'll braid my hair today. <laughs> Next morning, she gets up two hairs on her head. She said, you know, I'm going to part it in the middle. <laughs> Next morning, she gets up. She's got one. She said, you know, I'm going to wear a ponytail. <laughs> Next morning, she gets up. She's as bald as could be. She said, thank you, Jesus. I don't have to do my hair today. <laughs> Oh, folks, we've got so much to be grateful for. Let me, let me, let me tell you the, th the third, and I'm done. Graciousness. Graciousness. Look what it says. Submitting yourselves one to another. What does that mean? Mm. 
It means I'm supposed to submit to you. And you're supposed to submit to me. And we submit to one another. And we can only do that, folks, through the power of the Holy Spirit. We can only do that through the power of the Holy Spirit. Any good that's found in us last week, Barbara and I were on Interstate 75 going south, and I, I, every once in a while I might speed. <laughs> but, I, but I was driving pretty fast. The guy right in front of me just wouldn't go on. And just to aggravate me, he just basically stopped. And I thought, i tell you what I'm going to do. I'm going to pop around this cat. And I'm going to get right in front of him and stop. I mean, I've got to be transparent. I just wanted to slap him, of course, in Jesus' name. But... And I popped around him. And something said to me, you shouldn't do that. That ain't right, Benny. You're not right. Your attitude's not right, Benny. And I said, you're right. And I just kept on going. That was only the Holy Spirit. It's no good in me. If I'd, if, if, if I'd done what I wanted to do, I would have leaned to the flesh. Any graciousness that's in any of us, it's because of the Holy Spirit. Any graciousness that's in any of us, it's because of the Holy Spirit. Now, let me tell you this, and, and, and we're, we're going to pray. You said, Brother Benny, I need, I need the Holy Spirit. Yes, you do, and I do too. And folks, he's not weird. It's not mystical. He's God. He's not weird. He's not mystical. He's God. You say, well, what about all these churches that are doing this thing? Let me tell you something. A lot of that, the Holy Spirit is not in. Because he's not weird. He's not spooky. He's not mystical. He's God. Let me tell you something. You don't have to persuade him to come into your life. All you got to do is permit him to come in. And when you say, Lord, I totally surrender to you. I totally surrender to you. Fill me with your power. Fill me with your spirit. He will. I'm not a deep guy. I'm not a deep preacher. My philosophy, I'm going to tell you something. I told Cameron, I was with Cameron and our CFO this week. I said, guys, do you know how I really feel? I said, I'm reading a book by Bear Bryant. And I said, this is how I really feel. I want you young men to know it. I said, this is how I feel. I'm not as smart as most other preachers. That's why I have to work harder. I said, now that's how I really feel. So, folks, I'm not some deep guy. But here's what I want you to understand. The only way you can get more of God is to give God more of you. It's that simple. You, you give God more of you. You surrender more of you, and you get more of God. It's that simple. You've just got to permit him. He's not going to force himself on you, but as you surrender, he'll continually fill you.
Friend, I trust the message today has spoken to your heart. And if you've never accepted Christ as your personal Savior, I want to challenge you to do that today. It's the greatest decision you'll ever make. And I've often said, it's as simple as ABC. A stands for acknowledge. You've got to acknowledge that you're a sinner. B stands for believe. You've got to believe that Christ and His blood was shed on the cross for your sin. And then C, you simply must confess your sins to Him. I want to encourage you right now to repeat a simple prayer with me. I'll pray the prayer. You repeat it with me if you'd like to accept Christ as your personal Savior. Lord Jesus, I'm a sinner. But God, I'm sorry for my sin. I'm so sorry I want to change. I believe that you died for my sin. And I confess my sin to you right now. Come into my heart, Lord, and forgive me of all my sin. Now thank you, Lord, for forgiving me. Thank you for coming in to my life. Amen. Friend, congratulations on the greatest decision that you'll ever make. And I want you to know, this decision is not based on how you feel right now. Because God's not a feeling. He's a fact. This decision is based on the fact that you have done what God's Word says you must do to have eternal life. So congratulations on the greatest decision you'll ever make. And thank you for being with us today. God bless you, and we'll see you soon.